Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today where I have no comments. And uh, as often is, as it often is, excuse me, it's probably pretty uh, better for us to not have to do that. So on our last podcast, Deborah and I finished chapter 24. Now today, we want to discuss the highlights from several chapters, beginning with chapter 25. Now, uh, the one thing we need to, to uh, say about these chapters is they do tell the story of Jim's first few days in Patterson, but like Conrad does, it also gives us insight into the later, or his future, uh, on Patterson as well. Now, Deborah could not be here today yet. I am not alone, as I promised. Gabe is with me in the studio. He does have a mic, and he's ready to discuss Jim in Patterson. So welcome, J- uh, Gabe, to the studio. <laughs> Thanks. Good to be back on this side of the mic. <laughs> yeah, he's got a mic. <laughs> now, also with us in the studio today is our stand-in producer, Parker, who is always eager to help out when he can. He never says no, so that's great. So. Uh, he can't say anything, but he's smiling. So he's here to help us. So, okay, Gabe, we, we, we've, we've, got the, we've got the challenge. Um, for all of you out there, though, I highly recommend you finish reading the book as soon as possible. Uh, today we're trying to tape with a new format, so uh, we'll see how it goes. But we want to um, uh, get uh, finished with this book so that we can get you into the new series. I'll be announcing that in a couple weeks. I'm really excited about the new series. We've we've developed the books we're going to use. I think you're going to find it very interesting. And also, we're going to have uh, at least one book for young readers. So I think parents have been asking for that for quite a while. All right. So, Gabe, let's dig into Chapter 25. And uh, uh, maybe I'll just say this. I'll let you talk. Uh, but, but essentially, everybody out there, Marlowe recounts the story of Jim's um, uh, life was threatened on his arrival at the village of Patterson. And so <laughs> he wanted to escape problems. He he didn't. All right, go ahead. I'll let you start out there. All right. Well, yeah, this, this chapter, chapter 25, it starts out basically with Jim uh, telling the story of Jim being prisoner to uh, the Raja here on uh, Patterson. And it's basically talking about how his living conditions in this prison were pretty bad. It, it says it was a very uh, filthy place, and um, it says in here, uh, and I couldn't get anything to eat either unless I made a row about it, and even then it was only a small plate of rice and, and a fried fish not much bigger than a stickleback. So yeah, he didn't exactly have the best uh, living conditions upon his arrival in uh, Patterson. Yeah, so so one thing, this is, this is kind of a funny comment. Uh, I had to look up stickleback. But I found out they're in North America. Hmm. They're actual fish. So I, I, assume, I assume they're about the size of a minnow. I don't know. It's <laughs> pretty small. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it, it is like, here's the Raja. It's supposed to be like this, uh, this well, 
king or you know a leader, and his, his courtyard is absolutely filthy, full of dung and and everything. So yeah, this is where Jim gets trapped. So so uh, um, I, I think it's interesting the way the way Conrad structured this. So we know up front, like you just said, Gabe, we know up front that he's he's uh, imprisoned in the courtyard, but then all of a sudden he interrupts the story, and and he actually goes to the time it's kind of like he jumps ahead in the future even though Jim is right there with him but he's jumping ahead to the time where he actually comes on the island with Jim and they have to go visit the Raja <laughs> as out of I guess official ceremony and so 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 this is where they are now is that that uh, he has to go in and see the Raja and and I think that one thing that's interesting there is where he says uh you know, at that moment, we came into the presence, and he became unfortunately grave and complimentary with his late captor. He calls him, oh, magnificent. So, so this is Jim. Here he, here he was, captive to this guy. They wouldn't even feed him. And then, then they, the other guys that did get fed, they'd stick their mugs in his face so he could smell what they're eating. He gets a stickle, you know. <laughs> and so he calls him, oh, magnificent. And uh, I think it's funny there where Marlo says, I want to laugh when I think of it, but I was impressed too. The old disreputable Tanku Alain could not help showing his fear. He was no hero for all the tales of his hot youth he was fond of telling. And at the same time, there was a wistful confidence in his manner towards his late prisoner. Note, even where he would be most hated, he was still trusted. And so I think that's a good statement that that he could see that even though uh, you hear the Raja is a, what he's an opium addict, you know he's a thief, <laughs> he's corrupt, he kills people all the time that trade against him, and uh, you know he's still afraid of Jim. <laughs> and yeah. so, so there's obviously Jim has done some good things to to make that happen. Okay, I'll I'll turn some more over to you now. So, I'll let you go ahead. Uh, so yeah, so. We get that story, and it goes also into how Jim has just—he's become like this, um, I guess, judge almost for a lot of the villagers, and how he's making all these decisions for them and helping them to, um, you know, uh, figure out all these uh, legal matters. Um, I can't remember exactly where it is, but at some point he's helping people decide if they should get divorced or, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and there's just a, there's several different. Uh, accounts of him helping out with that as well yeah it, it, it reminds me of the uh, the ancient israelite judges you know it's it's yeah. kind of like he's it, it's almost like jim has become the leader and uh in a few more chapters we're gonna uh, marlo is going to confess to that that he really he really almost takes over the whole island you know as ruler so so but but this first occasion right there on page 199 what's going on is uh people were trying to uh, you know, buy some produce from Doraman, and, and uh, they were going to give uh, pieces of gum or beeswax. And then, um, you know, they, they're claiming that the Raja was the thief. He stole the beeswax from them, so they couldn't buy the food. And of course, the Raja's getting very, very upset about that. And he said, "No, it was Doraman that stole the food. It's Doraman that stole. The, I mean, excuse me, stole the the beeswax, so they couldn't buy the food." And then Jim just takes over. And you know he actually judges the situation, and then who submits to it? The Raja. The Raja. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts he starts acting like he's 
very positive. Yes, well, this will never happen again, and don't you bring these things into court. And yeah, yeah, anyway, so um, uh, what what I think is amazing is again just just the way Conrad structures things. All right, so then then what he does uh, in this chapter um, while they're in the meeting, I, I think the coffee experiment, experiment <laughs> I should say it that way, <laughs> the coffee where where you know they're invited in to have a little special audience with the Raja, and then then it's the uh, uh, the, the uh, guy that brings them coffee is the executioner. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big, burly, uh, you know, uh, member of the island, and and essentially, Jim has to go through the ceremony. I guess once a month or whatever, and he 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 tells he tells Marlo, "Don't drink the coffee." <laughs> <laughs> and and then Marlo Marlo had already taken a couple sips, <laughs> and then he realizes this could have been poisoned. Yeah, you know, and so so. Uh, you know, he, he was actually Marlowe was really pretty ticked off because he could have been poisoned and, and died. And then Jim says, "Hey, I do this every time." You know, and and then Marlowe comes back to him and says, "Look, don't you realize this Raja is absolutely fearful of you? And of course, he might try to poison you any time. I think that's what he's trying to say there." Yeah. And he said, "You sucked me into it." I'm <laughs> so so, but then then. Uh, uh, he, he said he fears you, and Jim says, "Yeah, he fears me because he knows I'll drink his coffee." <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, um, so so that it's like we get a mix. We, here we get the beginning story, then we go two years later, and now we're going to go back to uh, to um, you know back to the, the I, call, I like to call it Jim's Jim's jump. <laughs> you know how he escapes out of the courtyard. So that's that's page one ninety one, and um, you know it, it, it it's it's finally Jim realized you know that the the, um, the the Raja wanted him to fix clock. You know they were they were trying to figure out what to do with him, and uh, part of it was they had never seen a white guy in years again. I mean it had been a long time. And you know, at the very beginning or the opening of the book, when they talk about Patterson, or maybe I should say, when they talk about open their discussion of Patterson, people would come there. White people would come there for the pepper, but that industry died out. You know, everybody has pepper now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so these people were not used to seeing white people, and so so here, this white guy, and of course he shines. He's you know he's blonde, blue eyed, comes out in white clothing. You know, they think he's like a god, and there's what do we do with them? You know, and so so they're all trying to decide what to do with them, and they want they don't want to feed them, and so he decides he's going to escape. And uh, obviously, he was he was uh, athletic enough that uh, that uh, on page one ninety two for all of you reading out there, uh, Jim jumps out of the courtyard, and uh, he jumps into a mud hole. <laughs> And so, so he knows that they have these spears that they could kill him with, right? Just by tossing them. And so, essentially, what he does is he covers himself totally in mud, so they can't see him. <laughs> and then, then he decides to get up and run. And can you imagine? He's totally, totally covered with mud, so he's running through villages, scaring all these little kids. Yeah. <laughs> so they call him the Flying Terror. <laughs> so, so uh, that that is part of his first 
his first days there on the, um, you know, so, so he's, he's exhausted, he hasn't eaten, he's jumped into this pit, he's covered himself with mud, he has to still keep running around to escape because they're after him now. And uh, uh, he does end up on uh, page 194. He ends up finally in Doraman's company, and then they save him. So, so uh, the, I think that's the the big stuff. He he also uh, he, he's yelling there, page 194, Doraman, Doraman, and uh, there it says he remembers being half half carried, half rushed to the top of the slope, and in a vast enclosure with palms and fruit trees run up to a large man sitting massively in a chair in the midst of the greatest possible commotion and excitement. You know, he fumbled in mud <laughs> and clothes to produce the ring and finding himself suddenly on his back, wondered who had knocked him down. And it, essentially, they didn't knock him down. He was just exhausted. He <laughs> fell down. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so okay, go ahead. So, yeah, we, we get this image of uh, Dorman, and he's just this big, fat guy. <laughs> basically and you'll see later like they they have to carry him up all these hills in his chair and everything and I don't know, I'd hate to be one of the guys having to carry him but um yeah and then we also get a bit of a description of his of his wife and how basically they didn't really ever exactly talk to each other in public but she still had a lot of um influence on his um on his role as well his decisions yeah yeah on his decisions so. and then yeah in the next chapter we get a look at uh uh, at their son, who is uh, Dane Wars, who becomes a really good friend and comrade uh, to Jim, and they end up fighting side by side uh, in some of the battles uh, yeah. later on in uh, in the next couple chapters as yeah. well. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that point. One thing about Dorman's wife, she really loves Jim. She has a fondness for him. Right. And uh, even later, um, you know, I, I was reading ahead today to get ready for next week, actually, and... Uh, she really is worried about Jim. She's worried, you know, does he have a home? You know, doesn't he have a family to go to? You know, and so, so she's really uh, comes across as a very regal, very sweet wife. And, uh, you know, so, so she's, she's really in there for, for Jim. Now, one of the things um, I think we ought to say real quickly is that in the, it's also in this chapter that we learn there are three fighting factions, mm-hmm. you know, on the island. So, so Jim, even as Marla warned him early, early on, you know, you're going, you're not escaping if you're going to this island, and so, so there's Dorman, who is actually elected by the the people. There's 60 uh, families on the island. They're called uh, uh, celebs, but they're Indonesians, and they're all, you know, there there's different, I guess, different families or maybe even different races of them. And so I, I think that I think even if you look historically, there are like seven different races on these islands, but they all elected Dorman as their leader. But then the Raja took over, and then there was this another uh, another um, man, Sheriff Ali, who was who was Arabic. He moved in, and he had his own corrupt business as well. So there's three businesses competing for everybody's, you know, money and and buying their goods. And uh, I do know someone named Sharif Ali, and if he's listening in, we don't mean you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a different guy. So, so all right. So that's our quick view of chapter twenty-five. All right, let's go. Let's go. Chapter twenty-six. So, uh, I, I think the big, 
the the big most important part is uh, of chapter twenty six, especially when it especially when it starts, is the description of Doraman. <laughs> yeah, so it's he, he says he's the remarkable man of his race. Now, I, I think uh, you know Marlowe has not Marlowe. It's really Conrad. He says uh, Doraman. He wasn't just fat; he was imposing. <laughs> he, he was monumental, and so so it looks like he's very regal as well. You know, he's dressed. He, he's well dressed. He's like not you know naked on the upper half, uh, but he's clad. It says in rich stuffs, colored silks, gold embroideries. The huge head enfolded in a red and gold uh, handkerchief. The flat, big round face, wrinkled, furrowed with two. Semicircle, um, two semicircle, circular, heavy folds, startling on each side of a wide, fierce nostrils, and enclosing a thick-lipped mouth, the throat like a bull, the enclosing and thick-lipped, uh, yeah, like a bull, the vast corrugated brow overhanging the brow, proud eyes, and so, so uh, uh, later he calls him like the old elephant. So, so this guy's big, <laughs> he's huge, and uh, of course he was too fat to stand on his own. And uh, when he stands up, he has to have two guys help him. <laughs> yeah. At one time in my life, I thought I was going that same direction, and I changed it. <laughs> so thankfully, I was able to do that. All right. And then you mentioned uh, his son, Darius. Uh, Dane Warris. Excuse me, not Darius. <laughs> Dane, Dane Warris. We're, we're trying to get through this fast, so <laughs> sorry about that out there. But anyway, you should be reading this anyway. So, uh, but but it, it's interesting that the Jim really does in the first half of the book seems like such a loner, but in this part of the book, here's Dane Warris comes in, and he's his best friend, and it's like so. In some ways, Jim is getting the satisfaction that he wanted, and uh, 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 I talked to my wife about this today. Um, uh, so Dane Warris is about 25 years of age. You know, Marlowe never does give us his exact age, does he? No. I and I, so. I suspect that they're about the same age. What do you think? Yeah, Jim, I think it's a good possibility. Yeah, Jim might yeah. be a little bit older, but not much. You know, so, so anyway, um, but then Marlowe's side comment, and uh, I had prepared ahead for this, and I got all messed up, and thankfully Gabe was here to help me get it right. So, uh, but anyway, Dane is about 25 years of age. Now he was married at 18 and he had started a family. When I originally set this up, I thought he was married young and had 18 kids already. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot to have by age 25. Yeah. So, so, but you really do need a buddy when you're reading this book, you know, cause it's, it is. And I talked to my wife about it. She says, I thought the same thing you did. So <laughs> see, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> But, but I think one thing one thing is important here too about Dane Warris and uh, he, he did really really believe in Jim I mean they were I think he and both Dorman were, were just ec- ecstatic that they had someone like Jim there and they actually looked up to him as a leader and of course this is the uh, it says he also knew how to fight like a European that's at page 198 and so, uh, um, but but this is where I think um, Jim, after he's after he's there, he's been there obviously a while. When we get to this part, and he's talking to Marlowe, 
and he finally he finally realized that that his calling to come to this island was that he would be the island peacemaker. And that that you have to understand, all the readers out there, that this is what Jim's role is on the island, is he's the peacemaker. He's he's bringing peace between these three factions, and so so he's really good at it. Um, and it says there on page of. Uh, uh, I think it was 198, that the Dane was the first to believe in Jim. And, uh, you know, uh, if you go to page 199, there's a lot more there. That the You know, this is where Joseph Conrad, he, I think he wants you to keep reading, but he can gr- kind of drive you nuts. But uh, he, he, he goes on to say about Dane, Right at the top of the page, it says, Dane Warris had a proud carriage, a polished, easy bearing, a temperament like a clear flame. So obviously he wasn't big and fat like his dad. Uh, his dusky face with big black eyes was in action, expressive and responsible, in repose, thoughtful. Now if you skip down a little bit more, it says, He not only trusted Jim, he understood him, I firmly believe. I speak of him because he, capt- he had captivated me. His, if I may say so, his caustic placidity and at the same time his intelligent sympathy with Jim's aspirations appealed to me. I seemed to behold the very origin of friendship. If Jim took the lead, the other had captivated his leader. In fact, Jim the leader was a captive in every sense. The land, the people, the friendship, the love were like the jealous guardians of his body. Every day added a link to the fetters of that strange freedom. I felt convinced of it as from day to day I learned more of the story. And so, so you can see that that uh, Jim was was really making great inroads on partis- on Patterson. And uh, uh, as we get towards the end of the book, uh, I just think Jim didn't realize that he also had enemies, pretty serious enemies. And uh, I think that was his big um, thing in life. All right, uh, do you have anything else you want to say there? Since we're all right there now. <laughs> Yeah, I think part of the reason why they all looked up to him um, and he, that he was able to be a peacemaker was because of just a lot of his successes that he had there. Like, they, they looked up to him um, because he didn't let the Raja um, uh, scare him at all. So, I mean, he obviously had the respect of the Raja and also all these people, and that's kind of what allowed him to have that role of a peacemaker on the island. Yeah. I mean, they, they knew, the people knew he was drinking his coffee. Yeah. And so they just, they just loved him all the more because they wouldn't drink his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they wouldn't do it. Um, I think page 201 for everybody out there, too, is you want to read that last paragraph. I mean, that is Marlowe's summary of Jim to this point. And remember, uh, if you go back a couple programs, re- remember he, was a, he did not want to tell the story to the people on the veranda because he didn't think they would see how successful he had become. And so, so um, if you look at this end, cha- this end uh, paragraph, it says, and there, there I was with him high in the sunshine on top of that historic hill of his. He dominated the forest, the secular gloom, the old mankind. He was like a figure set up on a pedestal to represent in his persistent youth the power and perhaps the virtues of races that, ne- that never grow old that have emerged from the gloom. I don't know why he should always have appeared to me symbolic. And so, so there, you know, Conrad goes into not only his love of youth, but also the symbolism 
you know, of Jim's life. Jim, you know, he's and he's really setting that for us and for everybody that, that reads the book. And again, I, I the more I read the book, the more I like it. And uh, you know, uh, what? How many other people, you know, in leadership have tried to be? have worked very hard to be peacemakers and they end up getting executed for, you know, for doing that. All right. So any other comment on chapter 26? If not, we can move to chapter 27. I think that just about covers it for that one. Yes. And so everybody out there also understand you're going to have to read the whole chapter. This is, we're just giving you the highlights. All right. Chapter 27. Um, let's see. Uh, I guess... One of the things we haven't talked about yet, and we really better better bring them back on this. Maybe we're going to have to talk about a few things where he wanted to destroy uh, Sharif Ali's camp. And somehow, where, where did we miss that? Uh, I guess it's on, looks like it starts page 199, 200 or so. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you talk about that? So... Um, yeah, here they they get to this point where they're trying to take out uh, the Sharif Ali's camp, and it says in here that uh, his camp was basically impregnable. So what they do is um, they carry all these these cannons up uh, up on the top of this hill, which the people later turn into a big uh, exaggerated story about Jim carrying them up on his back by himself. <laughs> his <back>. But <laughs> two but yeah, two at a time. <laughs> two at a time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they carry all these cannons up, and then they carry. Uh, Dorman up as well uh, on his chair. Yeah, and, that was uh, probably the hardest part. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they're doing this all under the cover of, of night, and basically, this was something that they all thought was basically impossible to do, which I think is why it probably um, caught uh, Ollie's or Ollie by surprise was he didn't exactly expect them to succeed in this, and then through that they're able to start attacking his uh, his camp. Yeah, and then they they uh, they successfully wipe it out. Yeah, and so and so essentially, um, when we get to chapter twenty seven, then at the very beginning it says already the legend had gifted him with supernatural powers. So there's now there's there's all these legends going around the island about Jim and and uh, you know how he supernaturally got rid of Ali. And essentially, what happens is Ali, Sharif Ali, you know, gets off the island. He he flees. And of course, that begins to create, uh, you know, other problems for him. All right. So uh, uh, the, the thing in chapter twenty-seven, there's Sir, the professional sorcerer. He's the one that made Jim out to be the supernatural being who carried two cannons up the hill uh, on his back. That's page two hundred two. And then, uh, if you if you look at that, that that uh, it's almost like Jim is telling this to. Um, to Marlo, or is Marlo there? Marlo isn't there when this happens, is he? I don't think so. I don't think so. He's trying to tell him, and uh, you know, Sura is. He, Jim just hates it. He calls it bolly talk, or it's just like you know, it's just like um, you know, to do bolly. It's like stupid. You know, like it's just stupid talk. You know, but he's like a sorcerer. And uh, the the other thing in the in this chapter. There's a section in here, page two hundred three. I think we should we should talk about is that the Jim, you know, obviously he's coming into this role as leader, but uh, once he knows that the cannons are up 
he goes over and he fights with the rest of the guys and he fights right next to Dane and uh, you know that's considered uh, that just really got him the respect that uh, uh, highly respected and then of course then this is where Marlowe interrupts the story of what you brought out where the where everybody respects him so much they just want his advice on any everything so the guy comes and says hey can I divorce my wife <laughs> and he says why do you want to divorce her because she loaned you know three pots out to her her, her sister's brother or something and they're all black and they're not you know they're not getting them back and so so uh, you know it says there that she was a good wife but he beat her a little not much just a little when she was young <laughs> you know so so you can see and I think that's where where uh, Conrad is giving us a view of what the island people were like you know yeah. and they really needed someone that could give them good judgment so uh, uh, anyway uh that, I'm sure that wasn't the, the worst thing, but it's kind of like you know, you know Shakespeare, and he likes to have his comic relief. That's kind of like comic <laughs> relief, and so, uh, but but anyway, the whole village got in the middle of it, and the whole it's like they're about to have a civil war. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, they all taken sides. So, but then if you go into um, uh, page two hundred four, it's, it's like this is where where Conrad really shows us that that he really was accepted as the peacemaker on the island. Everybody was glad that Sharif Ali's compound had been smashed. He was gone. And uh, the only the only thing that uh, that caused Jim a problem in all this is uh, who do you think got most afraid when he realized that Sharif was gone? The Raja. The Raja. Because <laughs> he's feeling like, I'm next. Yeah. <laughs> So, so anyway, uh, again, that's a, that's a really good that's a really good chapter, and uh, so you, so you don't want to you don't want to miss that, and so, uh, uh, but again, Jim Jim is the peacemaker. Then uh, on page two hundred four through two hundred six, you get the final story of the whole uh, taking of the camp, and so. So in fact, that's the title of this program that Jim Jim takes. You know, sheriffs the Sharif Ali camp. All right. So we uh, we did pretty well today, Gabe. But unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today's program. Now next time, Gabe, Deborah, and I, as long as Parker can help us, uh, we'll continue our discussion of Jim's final adventures on Patterson. Now it's not going to be the end of the book. But some of his adventures, we get we get into. Uh, maybe I should say we'll get into the love story next time. Yeah. So now you can buy Lord Jim at Amazon.com. You may uh, be able to find a good used copy at ABABooks.com, and you may also be able to find a copy in your local bookstore. Now, and of course, you can also check your local library. Now it's a little late in the game to buy a book, but I still think you ought to buy it and read it. We will be announcing our new series in a few weeks, and you're going to be buying a few more books. So please write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at jbliterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. So simply search for Just the Best Literature. And until next time, keep reading. You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.